calm down, Greg. It's soccer. Welcome back, everyone, to the Virtual Pubs Premier Pod. My name is Kyle, and I'm alongside Max and Tim. We've got our Match Week 13 review episode today. But if you've tuned into last week's episode, you know what we're doing double time on these epis. So, um, so stay tuned to hear our Match Week 14 locks at the end of the episode. But speaking of locks, guys, let me tell you, I'm, I've got the hot hand right now. I just went, came off of a 5-3, and up 5.3 units from Match Week 13. So I'm looking to continue on my positive record here, considering that pushed me over the positive mark. And I'm now, um, I'm now over 500 on my picks for the year, which is pretty impressive as far as I hold myself to a high standard, considering I didn't hit that mark last season. Um, <laughs> and it's always good to be over in the positive for units too. Yeah, as the worst picker out of us three, I can definitely say I went positive this week and I'm very happy about it. I'm very negative <laughs> overall, but I'm positive this week. Oh yeah, that yeah, that that backdoor Sheffield uh, took me out of a, <laughs> a a really nice match week thirteen, but that's okay. That's okay. No, yeah, I, was, I think I was we'll finish with the, the positive. Tim, we need to get yeah, your was... we need to get your your side. You haven't been on the pod since we made our Sheffield United under ten points bet for the oh, season. Oh, I actually I actually believe I was I was at an oh you were on you it. weren't. I, I I think I was forced wow. to pick perhaps in a in a time that I, I'm not sure if you were on that pot or not, but I think I I ha, I said over. I said over. You said over. I was told okay, you. So I was told you said under. under. It was. I'm a I'm a strong under, and I love that they win me a bet and still don't win. Love that. <laughs> Even though I am cheering I them, I do want them to do well. I do. It was a, it was such a frustrating <laughs> result. It just it's like come on if you're not gonna if you're not gonna let Manu cover and let me get my collect my units like. Win the game, get pull pull a point out of it, Sheffield. Do something. Yeah. Just, it, it, and they they got off that hot start with a, a fifth minute goal. I was like, oh come on, this is this is it. This is the they're gonna they're gonna take points off Man U. It's, it was perfect. I didn't even care. I was gonna lose the lose the bet, but uh, whatever. Yeah, Manchester United didn't after making Harry Maguire making a questionable pass back to Dean Henderson and losing the ball. I thought they were done for, but nope. They had another comeback victory. So. And they're, they set a record for most consecutive two-plus goal away games in the Premier League or something like that. Some super odd stat. Yeah, Manchester United will always pull out stats. They'll make them look good, even though <laughs> any way that they can, they'll make it, themselves look good. But I was keeping a close eye on that game because if like if Sheffield covered that game, which they obviously did, they backdoored, covered in the four minutes to go, I would have had the biggest return for the weekend on our picks a contest, but if Manchester United covered, um, to then Tim would have won for the week. So I was pretty happy when I was listening in and I almost turned off the game. I was like, oh my gosh, this game's done, whatever. I even put in a loss. Like I even put in an L in the, in the win lost uh, column for us. And, and, uh, was so surprised to hear like, oh, Sheffield United got one. So <laughs> pretty stoked about that. A late winner off a bald head. You love to see it. <laughs> A late yeah. winner and, for you, a winner for the bet, not an actual winner, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
But um, Garb- Tim, a but garbage was... time goal off a of bald head. Yeah. <laughs> so me and Tim are. I don't know if I'm still on the over for Sheffield. I think I still am. They still they've got to get ten points in the season, even though they got one, and we're still ha- and we're only halfway through December. So this can just be another a slippery slope for this month for them. But um, the, Tim, we also made another season like over under kind of hypothetical question was like you notice how like Harry Kane is and Hyungman Son are flying this season. And uh, yep. and Kane has did he, I don't I can't I don't think he got an assist or a goal um, on this past uh, this past match week so I think he's still at nineteen, but as we calculated he's on track for like fifty six goal contributions for the season and the record is forty four from Thierry Henry when he got twenty four goals and twenty assists so we wanted to hear your take oh, on yeah, you think he, we want to hear he's actually he's over or under that. He's got a chance to. I, I think they were talking about about it during the Liverpool match. If he if he gets to that 10, 10 and ten number right now, he's nine goals, ten assists, I believe. So if he gets to that ten and ten, he he he'd beat um, Cesc Fabregas, who did it in, in two thousand nine and seventeen matches. Um, if he does it any time before match week seventeen, he'll take the record for the first uh, the fastest to ten and ten, which is uh, quite an accomplishment, especially for a man who prior to this season we hadn't seen him. Uh, be a prolific uh, a sister of the fo- of the of the football you know it's not really not really something that has been um what you expect whenever you see harry kane's name so um but obviously so- him and so- it, i'm pr- does anybody know how many of their goal involvements don't involve the other player it has to be a number less than you can count on one hand because it seems like they're just assisting each other and all that is to say i have I don't have confidence that he'll shatter the 44 number, but it would be a huge disappointment and it would take some injury um, misfortune for him not to at least challenge it at this rate. No. Yeah, I agree. Well, we both said we think he's going to get over it. Yeah. That was a pretty soft answer. We're going to need a hard, we're going to need a hard over under here, Tim. <laughs> yeah. From the closet. Okay. Fuck it. Under. <laughs> okay. He's going under. <laughs> All right. Wow. Give me, give he's me under. under. I just, Give me under. Okay. I like Contrary it. Tim. <laughs> I like it. I, I just, yeah, no, I just, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit betting on the odds that he misses a, some matches to injury. And we all know that Harry Kane, after he comes off an injury, I swear it takes him two months to get back up to speed. It just, he never, it, the last couple of seasons, we've seen him go from good form to injured to, to just kind of non-existent whenever he comes back for, for a little while. So um, kind of just, Betting, banking on him not staying in good form and fully healthy for five months, it's hard for any footballer to do, especially as we get through like a you know really crowded um, period here in, in December. So Yeah, and every single under. time he gets uh, injured as well, he, FIFA take 10, 10 points off his pace for his FIFA card too. So <laughs> RIP to that. <laughs> is he down in the 60s yet? <laughs> he is, yeah. I think this, this season he, oh, he, he was like 68 or something, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And me and Max were laughing too because uh, Firmino, Firmino is like still in the high seventies or so for his pace. But even though he he looks like a tank out there, like he, <laughs> he is not fast. Oh, but that, that's fine. They just if they give him like ninety five heading after the goal he scored <laughs> uh, in stoppage time this week, then I'll, I'll accept the pace. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think we're giving too many teasers for we keep like half touching on all the games. So let's just dive into the match. I can't week. help myself. Yep. No. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So the first game that we had on Tuesday 
It's a pretty good matchup between Wolves and Chelsea. Chelsea coming off a great Premier League uh, run. Wolves, not so much. Wolves, going into this match, we thought that they'd be still missing their prolific Mexican striker in Raul Jimenez after that horrible injury against Arsenal. But they come and get, they come out and get a 2-1 victory against Chelsea. And leaving a lot of Chelsea fans and people who are betting on Chelsea, a.k.a. me, and I believe you two as well, that what the hell is Timo Werner and Kai Havertz doing for this squad? A lot less than we thought they would be doing, that's for sure. I think the most impactful player on this team is Giroud. He seems to create so many chances, which makes sense with his position and those guys on the wing. But I love to see it. I love Giroud. But you got to think. Yeah. You th- you think at this point of the season they would be really be taking over. And Timo Werner seems a little inconsistent right now. Maybe that's still acceptable being new to the league, but he's not quite what I thought he was going to be. Yeah, I thought that he would be more or less like a German Jamie Vardy, if you will. Like, if that makes sense, like, just somebody that's just going to put the afterburners on and just beat people p- for pace and just ruthless, ruthless scoring. Like, just someone who's going to be able to get a through ball, ha- always have his touch on him, and then just fire one into the back of the net. Because that's kind of what he did when he was playing in the Bundesliga. He was just a pace merchant and would just be able to get behind people and, and slot into the back of the net, whether he was on the right or the left or down the middle. And that's kind of what Jamie Vardy's made a living on, is just beating people and just being relentless on the back line, always playing off the back line and getting him behind them. And, and I don't know why I just envisioned Timo Werner just being able to do that so well in this league. Maybe it's, I don't know if I, I, I didn't watch enough of him in that Bundesliga to know if he was that, if he played that well off the right, because he doesn't seem like he's playing down the middle as much, even though he's always looked at as a striker, striker, striker. He doesn't look like he obviously withdrew in the side. He does, he's not playing as a true striker, so maybe that's the problem. But I don't know. Yeah, I think they're I think they're just having something of an attacking identity crisis, and obviously they're they're missing Ziyech again. Um, and I I just I I think we've said this a lot of times this season that um, we still don't really know what their best setup is, and it doesn't seem like um, it doesn't seem like Kai Havertz has really settled into the role that they expected from him, and so I I don't know. I, I don't know where they're going to land. I'll be surprised if the I mean the lineup you saw. I Giroud's in a great run of form, but I don't think he they envision him being the, the solution as a starter in their best eleven. It's just certainly not what they it's not what they wanted to do at the beginning of the season. So I I think we're gonna see them continue to tinker. And I I I think even, you know, maybe more surprising um is was the fact that they allowed the two goals. I, their, their defense has generally been so solid over the last um, month or so since they've, they've settled things in the back line and, and with the, with Edward Mandy back there now, but um, they're, they're, I, I don't, I don't expect them to, um, to maintain any sort of consistent attacking until they can um, have health from the guys that they want to plug in there and and get them kind of all gelling in, in the positions that they, they want them to be in. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of agree with that. And I don't know. I've never played soccer or at a higher level or anything. Um, like, Max, maybe you can shine a little bit of light or insight on this. Is there ever, do you think, a problem of having too many attacking options in a side? Because, like, just looking at their lineup that they put out there against Wolves, even I know this is one game and they they They've, throughout the season, they've been putting in goals into the back of the net, and they really haven't had this issue. But, I mean, Timo Warner, Giroud, Pulisic, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz 
those and even if they're fullbacks and Reese James and Ben Chilwell like to get up also. So that's just like so much attacking power where I just like don't know is that like maybe an issue where you just have too many options. I was thinking one thing that is gonna be so important for this team is having a playmaker around all of those players to to pull the strings a little bit with all the because when you have that much attacking power there's really one thing in mind going forward and you need that player to make those creative passes and I think that's what um Ziyech can do for them you know he can he can be the one to do that but he just seems to be struggling a little bit with injuries right now um which is kind of a bummer for him so I feel like if maybe they can get him in the squad it can really make a make a big impact for them and he can really organize the team a little bit around him to make all those plays and passes yeah, I agree. I'm I'm we missing Onsiek as well. I picked him to be my Premier League Player of the Year, and that's obviously not going to turn out if he can't stay fit. We we haven't had uh, Gray on the pod in a little while, or at least at least whenever I've been able to record. So um, we got to get him on for a Chelsea update at some point before between now and the new year, because I think uh, I you know he's he's been watching closer and he knows a little bit what's going on in the but behind closed doors better than we would. So we need a little bit of Chelsea insight since they're. Yeah, I, I still see them as a challenger for the title. I, I think it's it, the league's still very much wide open. So um, I, I'd like to get a pulse from him if we can. Yeah, and we want to give I mean, a, yeah with I mean with that we want to give a shout out to uh, our good old friend VAR for getting another call right in this game. He got he did it. The VAR, mm-hmm. the cameraman, they did it. <laughs> they got the call right. He didn't make any contact with him. He dove in the box. They got a penalty. And they reversed it rightfully. We love that. And then Wolves came out and scored anyway. So it was good. Nice. We'd like to see <laughs> yeah. that. We'd like to see what VAR gets plays right. Because I know we can probably complain yeah. a million times each week about how they get it wrong. But they do get some calls right every yeah. once in a while. It's been on good, pretty good behavior, Max, since we reamed him out that way. <laughs> we really gave it a stern talking to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with that loss also for Chelsea, that's like they that's dropped. They're down in seventh now. Like surprisingly, it's so tight. Yeah, at the only top. six that's points I'm, off I'm the top. I'm so glad. That's nothing. It's early in the season. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that we picked up the win on the weekend because the difference between second place and seventh place is one win and one loss. That's three points. It's is crazy tight. Yeah, it's wild up there. Only what? There's nine points between eleventh and first. I mean, that's just. Mm-hmm. That's wild, but we got. I think we got to give some props to um, what it looks to be Diego Jota's replacement in that number seven Neto. He looks like a crazy good player. He's like, of course, the one who scored the winner. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he looks good, doesn't he? He looks really solid, and you'd be scared after the crazy injury that this team wouldn't be able to quite perform, um, missing one of their key mm-hmm. players. But they have that eighteen-year-old, eighteen, nineteen-year-old Silva who. Slotted enough front. I think it was his second Premier League start. Yeah. Um, Fabio Silva. Yeah, he scored a goal. Got he was offside, so it got called back. Uh, mm-hmm. But he definitely has looked pretty promising up there. So the, the front three for them still look pretty solid, even with some injuries. <laughs> any? Can you um, take any guesses on what nationality Fabio Silva is? <laughs> Last name Silva. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Team Portugal. <laughs> you know what? Speaking yeah, speaking of nationalities, speaking of nationalities, in the second half. We saw an appearance from a young American. They're everywhere in Europe now. They're all over the place. Owen. Oh, all over the place. O- yeah. Owen. And, and did, did you guys, did, are you guys comfortable with the pronunciation of his last, last name? Otisowie? <laughs> Otisowie? Otisowie. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it. Andy Either Anderson. way. Love to there, see it. there was a, 
there was a great photo of him. If you haven't seen it, you got to go find it on Twitter uh, after the match of him uh, just a little bit elevated to going after a ball. I think he was just kind of controlling it, uh, trying to bring it down to his feet. And Mason Mount is, is just kind of leaning a little bit. And, and he, he probably looks like he's double the size of Mason Mount. It's, it's a, it's a spectacular photo. Oh, Max. You, oh no, that's not the one, but I see this he, he's, he's a, a big he's a tall man. guy already. He's a tall. He looks no, he's large. He's a, he's a big dude, but um, it, the angle of the photo particularly made Mason Mount look dwarf like. But um, it 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 reminded yeah, me. It reminded me of a picture uh, from a few years ago of Matteo Valbuena. There it is, Max. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Mason Mount comes up oh to. God. He's right about nipple height there. Yeah. With the top, the top, the top of his head comes up to the left nipple of Oh No to Sally. So. Um, yeah, I mean Mason mounts down a little bit, and uh, the young Americans up. But but yeah, there, there's a photo out there. You got to find it too. Uh, Mathieu Valbuena um, playing for France against uh, I think it's the Belgian team, and the, there's a there's a photo of like him with like Fellaini, <laughs> um, and maybe like uh, I don't know who else is in the photo, um, but um, it, Fellaini was definitely in it. Valbuena is kind of leaning back. It he he literally looks two foot tall. It reminded me of that, but uh, you guys. Well, he's not even fair. Go so find that one on your. He's on your eight inches of yeah, Our guy Owen is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, exactly. A yeah. six foot four man with a, a, a six inch afro. Yeah. Well, Owen is listed at six two. So, I mean, that's pretty big for a soccer player, I guess. And Mason Mount's probably hovering around the five eight range, which is per- which is perfectly average height, right? Yeah, Tim, right? Oh, you guys are talking to me. I was, five eight, I, average height, no, yeah, of, of course. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> Perfectly average. All right, let's um, let's move on here. That's enough of Chelsea talk, especially without Wait, our resident Chelsea fan on the pod. Talking about perfectly yeah. average. Let's talk about Man City one, West Brom one. <laughs> Shots fired and a nice transition. I love. See how good we were getting. Tim? I love. We're that getting transition. good here. We're getting so good at this. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, Man City won a West Brom one, and Man City dropping points once again. But I, but dropping points on when they had a, a two and a half goal line from the bookies there for that one, like that West Brom, I put that as my lock of the week as pl- at plus two and a half. And I don't know. I mean, watching this game, obviously you're you know that Man City was dominating like the whole last half hour of the match. It was West Brom having ten men in the box and they were just defending like they were in World War Two and, and under a siege or something like that. But I mean, they had a couple of great chances there at the end, also, and with um, with uh, the West Brom goalkeeper pulling out a couple of worldies at the end. But I, I think you can also put that down to bad finishing for the City players. Um, I think Gundogan and Raheem Sterling were, were the ones that had the best chances there at the end to win the game. But it's just a cl- another another game where you're looking at the stats, 26 shots to City, 7 on target, and 78% possession for Manchester City. And West Brom only having one shot on target, and this game ends with 1-1. And, you're, and, you're, and Man City fans are, are left with, like, with their heads hung. Like, what do we have to do to win a game? Yeah, and you got to say the one shot on target was not their goal because the goal was going to miss the net, and it deflected off... Uh... One of the city defenders for yes. a goal, which is uh, pretty brutal for them. I mean, it was definitely unlucky. <laughs> you, how many times could you get unlucky? It seems like a lot for Man City. They just they cannot scrap out some wins right now when they need them. And like we always say, these are these are the games that you just have to grind out and win if you want to be a if you want to win the title. Typically, this year it's a little more open, but still this year these points are 
huge when you're kind of dropping points to these type of teams. Um, and I think we have to talk about it. West Brom get the one-one result that I think almost no one thought they would, and then they turn around <laughs> and they fire their coach after the game, and they put in <laughs> Big Sam, baby. He's back in the Premier League, and it's oh, a beautiful thing. Let's go. It's just great. Back. The man that last had the shortest it's ever not a tenure Premier League for England season. is back in the Premier League. It's not a proper Premier League season without without a Sam Allardyce showing. <laughs> without him trying to grind a team out of the relegation zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't want to draw attention too. away from. I don't want to draw attention away from Big Sam, but do we have any explanation for the firing of Slavin Bilic after pulling out a a, a draw against Man City? <laughs> I, I was listening to some pundits have a take on it, and and I guess I kind of agree with it. If you're looking at West Brom, what they've done throughout the season, like, yeah, they had a couple unlucky results, but, like, the whole like, – if we were all sitting here today and we were to bet if West Brom were to get relegated or to stay alive, I think all of us would equally agree that they would be relegated. They're sitting in 19th place right now. Like even after a great result like that, like it, it's I, so I think that's what the thought process of the board was. It's like, yeah, Seven Village, yeah, pretty lucky that you had a decent result there, but unfortunately, they, they were just like, you're, we're going to get relegated if you're our coach and maybe Sam Elderdice. He has a history yeah. of keeping teams up, so we think he has a better chance than than uh, than Village. I suppose in that instance, the timing may have just been weird and that they probably had that decision made before the match and the match wasn't going to change it. They just needed to find the replacement before they were able to actually, you know, do the, do the act of the sack. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, I think it was, it, I don't know. What the would you call it? The sack. Uh, so, <laughs> Is that what the kids are saying but, these uh, days? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's what they're, that's what they're calling it. Um, but um, yeah, probably just weird timing. If they but, win uh, that game, do they sack him? But funny nonetheless. <laughs> I think they had. I think like, they, they probably would. They had, right? They, they would. Right? Or do they? Or do they give him like? Do they give another like courtesy week? It's like, all right, we'll pay you for another week. <laughs> I guess they're probably anyway. paying him anyway yeah. in that situation. They probably had a probably got a nice. Yeah, little so setter, definitely going to so. be see, interesting to see how West Brom changes over the next few weeks with with Big Sam, Mister Anti Relegation, in the picture. Well, if I had the bet, uh, I, I bet that we'll see two banks of four. <laughs> That's what they like to call it. <laughs> set up all old-fashioned style. It. But I think another great talk. I think, well, I was going to move on from, if you had something to say yeah. on Sam Allardyce. Well, I, I was going to say another talking point that was coming after this, out of this game that I heard a lot of people discussing was Raheem Sterling, of course. He was the one that I mentioned. He had a great chance near the end of the game to finish finish it off. And of course, like football Twitter, they like to harsh, harp on players whenever they like have a bad uh, performance or anything. But someone put out a compilation of pictures of still foot images of Raheem Sterling towards the end of games with clear opportunities to score, and he's just like, and it's like these was twelve points dropped, and it was just like end of the games where City ended up drawing or losing games, and it was because Raheem Sterling could have put away a chance towards the end of the game when he had a great opportunity. And it left a good conversation to have about how much does Raheem Sterling, does he rely on, like, Leroy Sané pushing him to have competition in his position, or how much does he uh, he rely on Sergio Aguero to be in the striker role to, um, to take pressure off of him as far as from the defensive point of view. Like, if a defensive line has Raheem, uh, Sergio Aguero and Raheem Sterling out there, they probably are really focused on Sergio Aguero and not Raheem as much. But 
course, whenever it's just Sterling, Jesus, and Mares, Sterling's that top guy that, that the defense is worrying about. Yeah, I, I've kind of always had this feeling about Sterling going back to when he was at Liverpool that he um, maybe isn't the most um, isn't the most clinical among the group of players that are as prolific at scoring as him. I think his real strengths are just moving and and having the ball at his feet. And he's just so shifty. I mean, I, I feel like he just finds himself more chances and better chances than most players. And that's how he scores his goals. I, I feel like he does often find himself in these ruts where he's not finishing as well as you'd expect somebody to. I, I feel like there are just many times that it, you, you can, you can look back at a match and say that Sterling was the, a missed Sterling finish was the difference between a draw and a win for them. It, it, I think that's always been a theme in, in the games that they play that are close. He just finds so many chances that maybe other players wouldn't find. And it, sometimes those are tough finishes, but um, I, I don't know if it's, I, 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 what I'm saying is I don't know that it's a new thing, but I think in a season where city hasn't otherwise been as dominant around him, it shows off even more because those chances are being, the, or the difference between a draw and a win more often than they were the difference between winning by two or by yeah, three. covering the two and a half goal spread that they have every game or not, you know? Um, but I mean, it, we, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, this might be the last time we it see the two be. and a half. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They almost never cover. They cover it a few weeks ago and that was the only time, but um, he did have a really nice assist. Like they had a very city like goal for their first goal. I mean, passing around in the box. He's literally made a pass from inside the six yard box, I think in on the end line, like literally they had possession so deep and it was a really, really nice play to get a little space. And he slots into Goon again, hit a great finish. And um, got to love a Goon again goal. I just love Goon again. He's great. Um, so, yeah, I think even when he was at Liverpool, he, he is not the most clinical player, but he's creative and he's fun and exciting and fast, but he's not going to finish every opportunity he has like, you would expect someone from like like Aguero. Aguero's going to finish almost every opportunity he has. Vardy's going to finish almost every opportunity he has. He's not quite in that that he doesn't have that finishing, you know, clinic clinical finishing that a lot of the other players do. But he's still a really good player. It's just unfortunate that it seems like in the last year ish he has not been able to put those chances away when they really need him to. Well, that that you that brings that's just an interesting point about where City's at in general right now without Aguero. It, it seems like pretty much all of their attackers are could be described by that that same thing, and that they're they're incredible players, but none of them are the are, are like a really exceptional finisher. That's not any of their strengths. That's we haven't seen it from Gabby Jesus, and that's been the problem with him. And and Kevin De Bruyne, who um, you know maybe the one you most want to rely on, it just also seems to be in a bit of a scoring rut. He just isn't um, putting the shots on target. I mean, we saw him miss a penalty this season. Um, just missed the goal. So there's clearly something going on for him as well. So they, they're going to have to find some more clinical finishing if they're going to end up in the part of the table that we all expect them to. But I Still second, still favorite, second days, betting favorites so. to win the Premier League. Which is wild, it's, right? It, I, I, think it's, I think it's deserved. I, I think they, they get the benefit of the doubt because they've been so, so good for – four years with a similar team. Well, and they're and Pep, so. and like their favorites for the champions league as well to win the champions league, which we talked about on last episode with me and Max, but I don't get that either. I just, I don't understand why man City's always so hyped. I know that they were super great like a couple of years ago, but they also don't have that same team at all. Like, so it's hard to compare it's, really. It's like almost thinking like in 2015, like, Oh, well, 
Manchester United, let's put them at the favorites to win the Champions League. Well, it's, I mean, they don't have Sir Alex Ferguson or they don't have any of the other team. And it's like, oh, well, well Barcelona's going to win the Champions League because remember how good they were a couple years ago? Well, they don't have Neymar or Suarez anymore. So, sorry, they're not going to be the favorites anymore. So, I guess I'm, uh, that, that's kind of the way I look at it for Man City. Like, they, it's, I'm, I'm a super what-have-you-done-for-me-lately guy. Self-proclaimed what-have-you-done-for-me-lately guy. And City sitting at, what, mm-hmm. ninth place right now, 20 points, already eight points off the lead. Below West Ham. I don't know. They, they, they aren't looking far. They aren't <laughs> yeah, below West Ham. So, so yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sold on Man City. I haven't been sold on Man City all this year. And they've made me a ton of money by fading <laughs> them. So, can't really complain. Yeah, all season I've sat here and, and, and tried to um, be the more – have the more tempered uh, – approach as a Liverpool fan who also likes to root against City and uh, and and tell you that you're wrong for not believing in them but for the most part they have uh, <laughs> they have been pro- proving you more right than than me so uh, well I I'm still expecting them to to find something but being favorites in the Champions League does not make sense to me At I understand all. them being second favorite favorites in the Premier League but I for Bayern not to be the favorite uh, seem seems incorrect to me I think that they're they're my comfortable favorite right now but yeah i i can see why you think that but we're too. not a champions like we're not a champions league podcast so we're, not a, we're the, <laughs> we're the pod, premier baby. pod so that's right yeah but when right. are we launching the, the champions pod <laughs> yeah well <laughs> uh but uh so let's but let's move on to wednesday's game because they were a little bit electric <laughs> in that slate but we'll start off with ours, even though we didn't have the first game of the of, of the match day on Wednesday. But we, I think we got to talk about the biggest game of the weekend, which was, of course, our boys in Liverpool. They were hosting Tottenham. A top of the table clash here couldn't get more even than us two, where we were tied in points, but we just were below them a little bit on goal differential. And I got to be honest, this is another game where we're going into home, and I was worried about our home unbeaten record. Uh, in the Premier League, what are we on? We're over 60 games now, I think. But it was kind of an emotional game, of course, after the passing of Jared Houllier. Um And, I don't know, Liverpool come into this one with all the injuries. No Diego Jota to come on, come off the bench. Still no Thiago. And they come off against a, an informed Tottenham team. And Liverpool just completely dominates the game. And some are saying it was a lucky win, but I think if you were watching that game, and Liverpool lost, they would have felt really hard done by. Well, I've, I've got to fire back. I don't know about all these injuries you were talking about. I mean, you look at the team, <laughs> they, ha- they have Henderson, not injured, you know? They, ha- they have Mane, not injured. Salah, not injured. Firmino, not injured. Okay, so you saw the Pep interview pre-match. Fantastic interview. Jose. Um, uh, sorry, yes, Jose. Uh, the Jose Ma- interview pre- pre-match and... Uh, he, uh, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he, he, he I, Mourinho just fired off shots at everybody that this week. He was in a, he was in a foul mood for like just for, for three days. He just, nothing nice came out of the man's mouth. Jose so wanted I, all this smoke. Really enjoyed that, really enjoyed that pre match interview where he disagreed that Liverpool are having injury, injury troubles. And to be fair, the team is healthier than it was a month ago, but we still haven't seen Tiago back. 
And um, obviously you're not getting those center backs back for the rest of the season. So um, still, still some key injuries. And certainly I would say more key than any injuries that Tottenham's faced. I mean, uh, they, they've been lucky to have a healthy son and, and Kane throughout the season so far. And, and those are certainly the guys you'd say are most important for them. Um, but, uh, and also to fire back at your second point, uh, I, I'm not sure. Cause I, I heard that the, uh, the better team lost. So, um, Jose also <laughs> with, um, with that little quip uh, that he, that made, uh, made Klopp a little bit, uh, upset there on the, the touchline at the end of the match. But, um, yeah, I was thinking. uh, yeah, you, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a Klopp Jose Matt matchup if there wasn't some fanfare, and and some words exchanged. It was it was everything. It was it was just it a was really beautiful. great midweek. And here match. here's what I was thinking. I was thinking about it today. Your Jose Mourinho is your is your passive aggressive girlfriend who just like real like just gets under everyone's skin. But they they say some some stuff and they there's a few shots that are fired here or there. But realistically, they're just slowly just getting under everyone's skin. And then your Klopp's your girlfriend who's a little bit of a bitch. But if you're on her side, you love her. So it's fine. So, you know, Jurgen Klopp's going out there. He's smiling Jose Mourinho's face when he's trying to make some questionable comments to him. And he's laughing at him as, as Liverpool walks away with the win. It's just so good. They're, those two are just such different personalities. And it's so fun to see them play against each other in their Premier League. And I hate Jose Mourinho so, so much. Um, but really, you got to put this one on the Tottenham team because they all bought into Jose Mourinho's plan. Liverpool absolutely dominated possession in the game. But arguably, Spurs created better and stronger opportunities, and they just didn't take advantage of them than, like the we we've been seeing them doing against these top teams, where they just take advantage of the two or three chances that they get, and then they sit back and defend the rest of the game. I think Harry Kane missed a close uh, header, pretty much wide open, not like six yards out or something like that. Heads it down, but still goes over the bar. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, who's the guy that missed two good breakaway chances? Um, yeah, Bergwijn. it was the the Bergwijn mm-hmm. chance in the in the second half was that was that yeah, was the I one. Think it was off a it was off yeah, a Reece Williams like the... mistake, which I think he made one mistake in the game, which is pretty awesome for your first Premier League start. He's obviously started a few games in the Champions League, and to be put in the spot like in a huge game like this, um, definitely was great to see him put in a really solid performance. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird that the narrative out of this game, and like I'm taking my Liverpool hat off of this for this one. It's like. Like Liverpool, if you're looking at stats and you're seeing Liverpool 17 shots, 11 on target, 76% possession, but really Tottenham should have won this game. And it's like such a weird thing to say for someone who didn't watch it. But to be fair, like Tottenham had the best chances in the game. Like Bergwijn had two opportunities towards in the second half, one where he just barely missed the goal and the second hit off the inside of the post. So just barely missing like a couple of more inches on the, on the other side, and that would have been in. Both were clear one-on-one opportunities. And then also towards the end of the yeah. game, Harry Kane getting a, a free header in the middle of the goal on the six-yard box. Um, and he heads it down, and it bounces way over the, uh, way over the, uh, the crossbar. And these are just like chances where like you expect them to go in. These are the chances that Spurs have been take, putting home the whole time. And yeah, we had 17 shots, 11 on target. And yeah, some of them were pretty good, but no, none of them were terrific opportunities or as good as Tottenham's opportunities. And, but it is just one of those, you just hate to see it <laughs> when you see Bobby Firmino 
sprinting <laughs> hauling ass down the down the pitch after he scores a, a 90th minute winner so unlucky i guess you could say the you know, Spurs. it's but, funny bobby um, scores a goal it, and all of a sudden for like the next few days i see nothing about oh bobby Firmino, he's washed up he shouldn't be part of the squad anymore literally he scores one goal everyone's like oh never mind oh we yeah, take back everything yeah. we said because he scores a goal yeah. he has so much in his yeah. game but it's, it is so lovely to see him get a winner like this and just remind everyone for one second that maybe doesn't watch Liverpool week in and week out that he is such an important player to our team and he can come up big in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. And to go and to go run straight to the cop afterwards to celebrate in front of the, the 2000 fans that were in the stadium, it remind oh, yeah. it gave me just a, a hint of the joy that I feel like I have been missing from watching soccer this season. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you guys. I think I have offline that I, I haven't, I, as the season's gone on and it's, you know, we've gotten more used to um, no fans. It's been since March since we had them. And now over the last month, they've started to come back. I think we introed that a few weeks ago when it first happened. There's mm-hmm. just there's something different about a live reaction to a goal that you knew Bobby Firmino. He wanted to go bask in just the glow and the sound of, of real people in the stadium reacting. It just it felt like the sport I fell in love with again. And it just it just was a great moment. I think we got to get. I think we got to give a quick shout out to uh, San. He won the Puskas Award this year for the best goal of the year. Um, I don't know if you saw that. It came out a few hours ago, and it was it was his absolutely beautiful goal against West Ham when he grabs he grabs the ball like on his own 18 yard box and dribbles through about eight defenders and just blows past everyone and scores a goal. And I was watching the replay of it. And all of a sudden, there's just an explosion of sound from the fans. And I'm like, wow, I actually forgot what it sounds like when someone scores an absolute worldie like this. And the fans are just going absolutely nuts. And there's just people shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it's going to be so great when it's back. It's going to be so fun. I totally agree with you. There's a little bit of magic that's I can't wait. I I can't wait. It's going to be amazing once fans are back. I think we're really going to start to notice of how – like how important fans are to soccer and like how shit soccer is and and football is like without it's not fans, shit. Really. It's just and I, I I'm looking up some stats right now. I'm on the Premier League top goal scorers for the season so far right now. Uh, and you you brought up a point there whenever before we got into the fans about how Bobby Firmino is always slated for not scoring. He's not a goal scorer. He's he's like oh look uh, the. Roberto Firmino went from no look goals to no look look no goals. Um, and <laughs> nice. He nice. Uh, Firmino that was his third goal. <laughs> his, <laughs> nailed that one. But um, uh, Firmino's on three goals this season so far. So not on the top, not at the bottom. But I just want to list out that Raheem Sterling's on three as well. Kevin De Bruyne is on two, and Gabriel Jesus is on two. So. From the high-flying Manchester City team, that's all about goals, and they're given two and a half goal advantages per game. For some reason, Roberto Firmino would be uh, one of their top top scores for for them this season. Nice shot fired. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> got us. Yeah, Calvert Lewin still in the lead with eleven goals. Tied with Salah. He is ten, according to the one I'm looking at. Oh, I'm on the Premier League.com slash stats slash top players slash goals. <laughs> The Listeners, you want to go ahead and go to that right now? Yeah, you, can see. <laughs> you, want to, you want to spell that out? Yeah, spell that out for our listeners. 
This is great content. Yeah, it says that Sun, Sala, and Calvert-Lewin are all on 11. Gold.com. Pretty fucking pretty liars. <laughs> <laughs> they, they haven't gone and updated right. it yet. We're not getting sponsorship from them, but it's okay. But, um, but speaking for teams that are struggling with goals, we got to move on to Arsenal 1, Southampton 1. Arsenal, luckily, they picked up a goal today or uh, yesterday, but not picking up all three points and still struggling and still lurking at the bottom of the table. They're sitting at 15th right now. Do any of you guys have a take on what the hell is going on? Well, with I still? think step one, and this is going to sound crazy, but let's just, we'll just step back and think about it. Let's stop getting red cards. We just got, we got to stop it. We got to stop getting red cards. <laughs> they pick up another one. This one wasn't as bad as the other ones where a player is doing something ridiculous, like grabbing them by the throat. Shaka. But a second yellow card to Gabrielle, both in the second half, which you don't see a ton of. I think they were, what, 15 minutes apart or something than two yellow cards, um, which is pretty brutal. Yeah. But still, you just got to stop getting red cards. It's just hard to win when you just are down a player for 30 minutes, too. It was the 60-second minute he got the red card. Um, yeah. I, I feel like it is a lot easier to win when you have 11 players definitely. as opposed to 10. Definitely. I've heard it's easier. Oh, they- this is the insight that our listeners are coming here for, and honestly, I'm happy we can provide it to them. Um, yeah, so so that that's a that's a fair fair point. But in the in the the minutes they have played, even strength, which are still more plentiful True. than the minutes they've played down down a man, um, they they've produced what two two three goals since the three goals since the beginning of October. It's it's something about that dire. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think the stat still holds that they have more foul throw-ins and more red cards than goals since like mid-October. But I think I think maybe Which walk away brutal. from this game and say, okay, Abom Yang scored. I think that's a good thing. I think I think maybe he gets his his goal scoring drought out of there. Maybe this is the goal that gets him out of it. I think that's the positive way you got to think about it, and. Realistically, I know this is going to sound crazy, but Arsenal is towards the bottom of the table right now, and they played Southampton, who is, what, fourth in the Premier League right now? Maybe fifth? I think coming into this game, they were fourth at least. Yeah. They're third. There you go. Third like, they, they are a well-performing team. They went one nothing down to them early in the first half, and they fought back and got a tie. I know it's not what Arsenal fans probably want to hear, but okay, there's a little heart in it. There's something going, right? Okay, Aubameyang's off his goal drought. I don't think they're like this terrible team. I think they'll be they'll be fine for the season, but they definitely got to get something going. And you got to hope that Arteta isn't losing the dressing room. That's definitely worst case scenario. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not sure I, you could you could find an Arsenal fan and convince them that they should be proud of their team battling back for a draw against Southampton. Um, I I under, fully understand the angle given where both of them have been over the past two months of the season, but I, I that doesn't explain how they got to these points. Although I, props to Southampton, they have actually been excellent this season. They've I think far exceeded anybody's expectations for them already. So, but I, you just cannot be proud of the performance for Arsenal. Your your Arsenal. And you're going against Southampton. I know Southampton's been doing well this season, but 
you just got to take that as what it's worth for right now because you still got to think of it as Arsenal versus Southampton. It's just not, it's supposed to go one way, one way only. And you got to expect that as an Arsenal fan to go in and get all three points. But coming off of a performance, yeah, they had a red card and yeah, they came, they came back and tied it up to finish 1 1. But looking at just a stat standpoint, Arsenal had nine, nine shots to, to Southampton's 13. And they had four on target to Southampton three, but the possession at 65 to 35 to an advantage of Southampton is just wild to think about as a big six club and Arsenal should like always like touted themselves as one of the biggest, as the biggest club in London. And you're just getting play and you're just getting, you're playing sit back and hit on the counter to a team like Southampton. That just seems crazy. And I would be losing my mind if I was a fan. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're top, three or four in, in net spend over the past five years. I I saw something recently that suggested they might even be higher than that. I I, I don't want to give you a, a firm number there, but I, for, for all the money they've spent, um, you, you haven't seen results and you, you haven't seen some of the guys like, like Nicholas Pepe, a, a 70 million pound signing, um, still just not getting it done. It, and, and then Aubameyang finally back on the scoreboard in, the, in this match. You, you haven't seen him there much this season. Um, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's management. I don't know if they, they don't have the right talent, but for all the money they've spent, it just, I mean, it, and I hate to always bring it back to Liverpool, but I mean, it just makes you so thankful to have a guy like Michael Edwards and our, and our scouting team that we do have at Liverpool, where you just like, don't see them making these types of mistakes. Like, I guess the biggest one you could say is Nabi Keita, but he's been okay, but you don't see them. As we were in the mix, I guess a little bit for Nicholas Pepe, and we were in the mix for a little bit for Kai Havertz and and Timo Werner and not Harry Maguire, but these teams are spending so much money on these players that are nothing like they're worth nothing to that now after playing for the team. Like, like I don't know anybody that would spend even thirty million on Harry Maguire right now. Like it, it's just and Nicholas Pepe spending over seventy million pounds on him. Like that's a top, top, top elite player, and he's not even—he's hardly even starting games for Arsenal right now. So, yeah, just, uh, just thankful that we have uh, some good financial decision makers over there at, at uh, the Liverpool yeah, Football I think Club. Yeah, one of the most interesting things so far for me has been someone who didn't know too much about Arteta besides towards the end of his playing career and then coaching, being an assistant coach for City for a few years under Pep. You, I personally did not expect his style to be so defensive counterattacky, but that's kind of the maybe that's just what he's implemented here. But th- coming in and and being an assistant coach under Pep, you would think he would be wanting to implement a really possession based style like you always see under Pep teams. Um, but that's not at all what's been happening. I think you, I think you've got I think it nailed on. I re- Pep has never, I've never, I don't think like Pep it. has ever coached a team that didn't have the talent. So I've never seen what Pep would do in a situation where he doesn't have the talent to play possession football, you know? So if that's all Mikel Arteta, it can't be all he knows. He's played in a lot of different teams. He played in some really good Arsenal teams, correct, back in the day. So he's got to know the other styles, but yeah. if he doesn't know how to coach them, maybe maybe it's not the perfect fit for Arsenal. But it's definitely, they seem like they're going to invest in him and give him a lot of time, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, but I know there was a lot of backlash, particularly in the locker room when he talked about um, – Pepe's uh, red card. He called it totally unacceptable. I know there was a lot of backlash with the players being upset about that. 
I'm not sure why it's these, some of these red cards are totally unacceptable and they're costing them points in the league that can ultimately get Arteta fired and put the team in a worse place. I'm confused on why the locker room would be upset about those things. Now those are obviously just rumors and it's hard to tell if they're actually true. Um, But it's just interesting. It's just, it's a very interesting situation for Arteta to be in, in his first big coaching job. That's for sure. But I think, but from, from, Talking on this game, I think it would be a little bit of crime not to shed some light on Southampton. But I wanted to. But there's not a lot to talk about. They're doing really well so far. But I wanted to ask the question of where do you think would be where like if they got to like the, this point in the if they finished the, at a certain point in the table, would you define that as success? Like this point or higher? And then what would be the point where they finished this place or lower where you would deem it's a failure? Like if they finish. Seventh, is it a failure so far in the season? Since they're in third right now, would you say like, oh, they finished seventh? Oh, that was, that was kind of a failure based off where you were in mid-December? Or like, are they going to finish in the top four? Are they going to finish in the top six? Like, where do you guys think they're going to finish out? Yeah, I was going to put the marker around 10. I thought like a finish above 10th place, I think it's a, still a success. If you finish top six, I think that's more than they probably could have even hoped for at the beginning of the season, realistically. Um, but I think below 10th place, you you would see a big drop off from them here in this in the second two thirds of the season. So I think they'd be pretty bummed out about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I would still have to think, I, I mean, yeah, finishing top six for Southampton, that's a huge dub for them. And um, so I, I, I hope they do it. I, that would just add to the shithousery of the Premier League for this season, having Southampton finish in the top six. But uh, I, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree that, I think somewhere like seven to nine, like between those is probably where I'd guess where they end up. I, th- I would say that even if they finish 10th, it's kind of like a little bit of a disappointment seeing where they are right now. So yeah, I, I'm hoping they get seventh right now behind the, the, the big six dropping <laughs> Arsenal to that six. All right. We got to give the people what they want, Kyle. We need to give people the locks of the week. But I mean, yeah. So yeah. So the point five spread. Yeah, so if they tie, I, I no. win, right? Did you, I meant like if they if they were plus point five, like if you took a goal, so they tie, we win. Yeah, because it's minus one. It's oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I, I was saying because the spread right now is one point five, and so it was like, oh, even if it was point five, gotcha. um, I would have taken it. But I mean, I I don't know what you guys want to do for that bet, but yeah. So moving, but yeah, Southampton minus. Plus one point five is is my lock of the week. I we always try to focus on spreads that are over one and yeah. All right, let's let's roll. Let's, let's ride. ride. All right, I'm taking West Ham with a goal and a half. Um, I love that over Chelsea. I think that's a I think that's really solid. Chelsea seemed to be slowing down a little bit and being a little inconsistent. And I think West Ham has been really strong this season. I think they've been a tough opponent for top teams, especially. So I think it's a good pick. One and a half goals. Yeah, suck it. You got to go last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you say? I like that one a lot too, though, Max. Yeah, and Leeds coming off a Leeds coming off a big win this week too. I like that. So they could be flying high. One, one, uh, one game that I think everyone should also be taking a look at, just from the classic gambling analogies that everyone likes to have, is West Brom plus a half a goal against Aston Villa, because of the classic sacking the manager bounce back game. You always think of it in the NFL whenever a team fires their head coach or something like that. The team always seems to pull out a good performance the next week. And you might be seeing this for West Brom. I, I mean, do I think they're going to win? 
Maybe not. I, I, I mean, we all know Sam Allardyce pulls some shit out of his back pocket and always has good performances. But I, I mean, I, if I would have bet right now, I would bet this game ends in a draw and having that half goal hook. I love that. Oh, I do too. I'm totally picking that this week. The honeymoon period. It's a, it's a serious thing in the, in the football world. They just, they sack the manager. They get a few good results. Oh, yeah. Then it usually goes to shit afterward. But you know, whatever, whatever works for you. Whatever you do, don't sack your manager, Sheffield. You might get to ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Any other any other hot bets that look good on this table right now? I kind of liked the the Everton Arsenal one. I thought was interesting with Arsenal uh, being favored by half a goal. I thought that was or, or Everton being favored by half a goal. God, I'm so bad at batting bad at betting stuff. Um, I think that's a very interesting one. <laughs> yeah, you might not want to. You might. Hey, I was might not want to take advice. I was from positive Max right now. I'm just about to talk about it. a positive week. Let the record show. Yeah. Uh, so we'll 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 call this one out because Tim's got a a Christmas pa- virtual power hour. He's got to get to. So tune in with us on Monday once again or Tuesday once again, where we'll be going over all the shit that goes on in this match week 14. So looking forward to seeing who's at the top of the table, who's in the top four, who's Arsenal's falls further down the ladder. And if Sheffield (laughs) still winds up with one point after match week 14. So tune in to us on Tuesday where we review it all. So we'll see you guys.